Hello and welcome to another edition of Policy Pod. In this episode, we're going to be talking to five researchers that we squeezed into the Broom Cupboard studio to talk about the University of Southampton's fledgling cleaner air partnership. We're discussing the science available at the University of Southampton, the challenge presented by the city, and potential routes forward generated by the research conducted here at Southampton. So I suppose having had the second, but maybe sort of the the first feeling the um, proper uh, meeting of the Clean Air Partnership, it would be useful for us as a collection to say what our interest is in the Clean Air Partnership, um, and then probably quite useful to say what it is. My name is George Attard and I'm Pro Vice-Chancellor for Interdisciplinary Research and my interest in this is to support and encourage big and ambitious interdisciplinary projects across the university and across the traditional boundaries. Um, Coupled with the university's mission to make a difference for the better in the world, um, air quality is one of those things that is tangible and is something that as an institution we can play a leading role in both both locally and nationally in making a big difference to. And so my job has been to identify the groups around the university that are active in air quality research, bring them together, um, enthuse them with the ambition of developing big projects that will make a difference to air quality. And Matt Lawson, what's your research interest and uh, why is it that you're here today? I work in the Faculty of Medicine um, and, and from, a, from a health point of view that the, the, the Clean Air Partnership is important because um, in terms of air pollution, what I study starts as soon as you enter the lungs, but before that it's about, um, it's about the chemistry, it's about the physics, it's about understanding where pollution comes from and these are things that we can't tackle on our own using these traditional research silos. So, so the partnership in terms of what's going on in the university um, really helps to bring people together with very complementary backgrounds um, to tackle these questions which, which can't be tackled in, in the, the, the traditional ways of people working on their own or within their rigorously defined subject groups. But also the partnership gives us the ability um, to work with and for local and national stakeholders both in terms of the people who are who are um, potentially going to be affected by any legislation, also affected by air pollution, and people who really w- want to know how they can reduce emissions and how they can improve their health um, and making life better for everyone. Um, and, and at the same time, what we can do for them, you know, how we can how we can inform them, how we can inform the decision making process, and what we can give back from our research, not just to the scientific community, but to the, the community at large. Hello, I'm Guy Poppy. Uh, As well as working here at the University of Southampton, I'm currently a Chief Scientific Advisor in a a UK government department. And so therefore I hear from the government uh, the issues that are facing them. And and as a Scientific Advisor, one of our key roles is trying to ensure that the best evidence that's available is used in decision-making or changing policy, and, and also to act as a critical friend. And, and in fact, in the air pollution space, it's, a, it's one of these classic wicked problems in which many government departments are involved and it needs evidence from a whole range of disciplines. And, and the chief scientific advisors are in a good space to actually challenge what is being said and to ensure that the real kind of multiple disciplines can come together to address that problem, which is why I'm really pleased to kind of be part of the initiative at the University of Southampton and almost to act as a sort of friend to the University of Southampton to connect with government too. I think the other thing which I, I, you know, I think is worth highlighting is that 
my, my main uh, work in government is to do with food, actually. But air pollution is a bit like food in the fact that people don't get a lot of choice about coming in contact with it and therefore kind of rely on others to somewhat help them out. And, and therefore, um, these issues, when you have a stress in the environment and trying to actually understand what it is, how you can modify it, or how you can give good advice to people to change their lives or to, to be able to at least manage some of the issues they might face, is something which is really top of the agenda, something really important. And, and what's really good about this initiative is it's not only trying to address this wicked problem, but is also to try and open up the opportunities for investment, new enterprise, and, and, and make the UK a very productive society. Hi, um, so I'm Tracy Newman, so I'm also based in medicine alongside Matt, and my area of interest is in particular looking at how things exacerbate conditions or diseases affecting the central nervous system. That might seem, on the face of it, quite a long way from air pollution, but if air pollution is resulting in any inflammatory changes, which we think it is, then those are probably talking to any conditions in people's central nervous system. So really here, this is an opportunity to try and look at that link all the way through from being exposed to what we breathe every day through to how that might be talking to our central nervous system. I think this project offers all sorts of different opportunities. One, it pulls together the real strengths in Southampton. The other thing is I think Southampton itself is a fairly unique city with a number of different attributes which make it an ideal sort of, if you like, lab to do this work in. Um, I think it's also an opportunity to pull in the community, working with hopefully children, young people in the area and making them more aware of their own biology by getting them involved in some of the work that we plan to do, which hopefully will have the long-term effect of helping them think about their long-term health. Uh, I'm Stephen Holgate and uh, I'm still an MRC clinical professor of immunopharmacology uh, at the University of Southampton. Uh, I was awarded that in 1987 because my interests have been on asthma and allied respiratory disorders uh, for almost 40 years now. And we began air pollution research here in 1991 when our first papers were published. And since then, uh, I've become ever increasingly interested not only in the biology behind air pollution, but actually getting some change out there to make things better for people. The problem is you can't see it, um, you can't taste it, and you can't feel it, but it's there. I was given the task of chairing a a working party two years ago at the Royal College of Physicians and in that working party we identified that 40,000 people in England every year are dying prematurely as a result of air pollution exposure. In addition, children's lungs are not developing. We know asthma's made worse. It's been linked to type 2 diabetes and dementia, let alone to the aging of the skin and eye. We're talking here about an invisible toxic effect on the human being which needs to be dealt with. Most of the efforts have concentrated on outdoor air. We know very little about the indoor air. So in this wonderful new partnership, we're going to try and look at the whole area holistically, not only in terms of the spaces that people move in, but also across the life course in relation to chronic as well as acute exposures. And Southampton is so well equipped to be able to tackle this that I think it's one of the most exciting things this university has done for a very long time. So um, it's a really good summary just around this table of the interdisciplinary nature of uh, of this group. Perhaps, George, you could explain some of the 
the outcomes that perhaps we're going to move towards and the steps that we're going to take as a, as a partnership um, over the coming weeks, months and years? Of course. So um, my interest is in trying to get activity that uh, brings together different groups around the university. And echoing what Tracy and Stephen have said, one of the things that strikes me about the University of Southampton is that we have expertise that covers just about every facet that's relevant to air quality, both indoor and outdoors. So my interest is in trying to harness that to come up with projects that have real or impacts that have real impact at the end for the people in the area and outside. Um, so in the first instance, I think it's a, it's a, there's a piece of work about getting people to work internally. Um, but soon we will be moving towards engaging with external members of the partnership. And the idea of casting it as a partnership is that it is a coalition of the willing rather than a coercive activity or an exclusive activity. So it's a partnership between academics, but more importantly, as we go forward, it's a partnership between anybody in Southampton and around the country who has an interest in air quality. And so we are... Um, you know, we, we recognise that we are all responsible for air quality. Uh, we are responsible as consumers for generating the demand that means that goods have to be shipped in the country and in a place like Southampton results in increased emission from um, uh, seaborne pollution. So because we're all responsible, we're all responsible for trying to contribute to a solution. And in terms of outcomes of this activity, the partnership, uh, it's ways of working together towards this common aim without apportioning blame, which has often coloured a lot of the debate around um, tackling air pollution. So that's the expertise resource. Stephen, tell me about what the place resource is. Southampton is a very unique place for uh, thinking about taking forward this interdisciplinary programme. Uh, it is a major port uh, sitting on a seaboard that's connected to other major cities along the south coast, whom we would hope to collaborate with as part of this exercise. It has unique resources, not only in terms of chemistry, physics uh, and social sciences, but also in biological sciences and the medical sciences. But above all, it's got uh, some wonderful cohorts, collections of people who have had uh, their lives carefully looked at over a period of time and also biological samples taken. And if we can uh, graft onto these extraordinary cohorts some of this air pollution work, we could make progress very rapidly using some of the new technologies that are now available to us all. So how will the Clean Air Partnership work structurally within the university? So, yes, indeed. Um, uh, we, um, as, a, as a mechanism for getting uh, focused research, uh, uh, we set a, a grand challenge to members of the university particularly, which is to develop an integrated system to be able to report on air quality um, with a um, high degree of spatial and temporal resolution to, the, to, to an extent that we don't have at the moment. And in order to do that, we have nine task groups that we have set up what is distinctive about these task groups is they're all led by relatively younger or junior members of staff because in doing this work and, and, and tackling this grand challenge, they will evolve the university's strategy for contributing to improvement in air quality and for the strategy to be sustainable, it has to be owned by the people who are going to live it, so the next generation, not my generation. We, we know that there's going to be some great science which is conducted here at, at Southampton 
it's that so what question. Where where does this move to, and how does this help uh, policymakers to be able to uh, create informed opinions, and then to be able to deliver interventions from from your side of well, from being on both sides of the table? Uh, how does that look to you? One of I think the important points is that throughout throughout human civilization, humans do things which have an effect on the environment, and we've been through periods of time in which an industrial revolution. And then, you know, the, the, the smogs that we saw in London sort of came and policies were introduced and, and uh, evidence used to try and manage that particular problem. So I think what's really important is that if you consider that air quality as we know it today is linked with a way of living that people have and a way of businesses of operating, is that we, we need to be clear that actually if you're going to change that in some way, that the evidence base by which you're changing it is going to give you the result that you want. You only have to look at climate change as a whole, in which people say they're not arguing about climate change, they're worried about changing a business model, and will it create the change to climate change that people are saying it will. And, and so what I think is really important in a, in a group like this is by taking a systems approach to something, one can begin to home in on what particular aspect in terms of a policy intervention or a piece of behavioural change that you're recommending will have the maximum impact in terms of reducing costs to people's health or improving the quality of the environment but at the same time having minimal effects on business development or productivity and some of those other key things. Because I think what most people want is they want to have life in a similar way to they currently have, but perhaps without some of the trade-offs which they're currently existing. That's what this is about, because when you offer evidence, if the evidence doesn't deliver, it makes it harder next time round to offer new evidence because you've lost that trust. Southampton has a proud maritime history and a connection to the world via its port. What challenges and opportunities does that offer? So I, I think um, obviously the, the debate in the media often when it touches on maritime emissions tend to focus on ships and it's very simple to say that there are these big ships which are emitting um, whole hosts of um, exhaust gases and particulates and that's therefore bad for people's health but it's, it's a lot more complicated than that so when we think about the port it's there are ships um, which have their own guidelines to to um, comply with, but there are also a host of industrial um, emitters and potentially industrial polluters in the area. Um, it brings with it a lot of road traffic, which is is found not just in in the port area, but in the local roads, and that has knock on effect on local road traffic and sometimes regional road traffic as well. Um, but then this all, of course, also brings employment to the area and the number of people who are employed not just in the port and who visit the port, but also who are employed in trades near here because the port exists is, is huge. Um, so, so we have to consider not just the effects of these emissions that may come from the port on people's health, but also the benefits that the port brings. And part of why it's important to involve stakeholders then is to ensure that um, the work that we do doesn't just focus on things that are bad, but on how they can be remedied in the most effective way. In terms of being able to change policymakers in order to be able to inform the policy making process we, we know that, that having statistics and clear evidence is useful. In terms of changing behaviour of individuals there's something so powerful about storytelling yeah. um, and we were speaking about the uh, the 
the individual exposure for uh, for in particular taxi drivers and how messaging of the individual effects is uh, is incredibly important as well as the the overall um, uh, community uh, health impacts of of using combustion engines on the road um, tell me a bit more about your research and your findings sir so one of the big issues of course is where are people receiving this exposure to these pollutants that we know have these adverse health effects and everybody thinks about walking down the street but don't forget we only spend 10 or 15 percent of our time outdoors the rest of our time is spent indoors so it's highly likely that we're going to be exposed to the toxic effects of pollution indoors particularly in small enclosed spaces what better place than a car or a taxi or a bus, especially one with the ventilators on, which are sucking in the exhaust from the vehicle in front of you, spewing the materials right to the back seat where the passengers are sitting. So creating this sense of reality of pollution exposure to individuals makes it come alive to them and makes them, I think, appreciate that it actually they themselves could do something about the problem, not necessarily relying on others to do about it. And as you correctly point out, taxi drivers now are realising this, and certainly in London, for example, there are big changes ahead now for the taxi fleet there uh, to go diesel and petrol free, and uh, I'm sure the same will happen uh, in cities like Southampton eventually. So for people out there in the university community who want to be engaged with this project, what would, what would your advice be? How do they get in contact with you? So for the people in the university community, they can get hold of me through my email address, gza at soton.ac.uk, um, or through talking to any member of the university who is uh, currently involved in the partnership and we're hoping to have a website going up soon. Uh, it's meant to be an inclusive activity, so anybody who feels they have anything to contribute is more than welcome to get in touch and join the activities.